Efficiency, visibility, and flexibility are some of my favorite buzzwords when it comes to talking about the supply chain. But for companies who do none of the above, the lack thereof has a real impact on not only their bottom line, but whether consumer goods actually make it to store shelves. But what goes into planning for and dealing with these costs? Well, folks, strap in, because we're going to find out in this episode of Loaded and Rolled. Welcome to Loaded and Rolling. I'm your host, Thomas Watson. I'm going to try this thing out real quick. I just wrote this, but we're going to try to spruce up the Loaded and Rolling show. And a little catchphrase because that, that costs too much money. But run this by, throw it in the comments. Your weekly deliverance of Fright News, the salvation of your lunch break, and the most interesting thing until next week. I'm going to try that out sometime. We're going to throw it in there. It sounds better than when I tried to use an AI assistant that wrote like a college freshman literature major. Anyways, I digress. For carriers and brokers, supply chain management often means dealing with a small portion of the entire globalized supply chain. We like to think here in trucking that hauling a DC to store outbound load is the only step or a warehouse transfer as the last leg. But for modern supply chains, these transportation-related movements are only a small part of a vast operation that includes such fun things as demand planning, consumer demand forecasting, raw material sourcing, and finally, my personal favorite, inventory management. Now, currently, there are talks about a lingering inventory glut and whether it's going to get better or worse. I don't know the answer just yet, but the outcome of these debates will have a very real impact on freight volumes as we approach the second half of this year. Joining me to talk about supply chain management and why we should be paying more attention to it is our next guest, Paul Schmidbauer, Senior Director of Analytics and Solutions with ODW Logistics, a warehousing, distribution, and transportation solutions company that has been wrangling this beast since 1971. Phil, welcome, sir. Thomas, thanks for having me. How are you today? Doing pretty well. It's, uh, you know, it's Tuesday, so it's going to be just as good until Wednesday. So getting hyped and uh, over here in Chattanooga, the pollen count is extremely high. So the only thing that's not hyped are my tear ducts because unfortunately we're not cutting onions, we're cutting pollen. But um, diving right in, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do and kind of what ODW Logistics does for the listeners who do not know. Yeah. So ODW Logistics is a full supply chain management company. And what we what we do and what we specialize in is delivering not only a warehousing solution, but a combination of warehousing and transportation solution. And we take a consultative approach to that. So um, we work with our customers all the way from the inbound, bringing it in, whether it be from overseas, whether it be from a manufacturer, raw materials coming into a manufacturing facility, our goal is to spread our wings as wide as we can into your supply chain and help people understand what the total landed logistics cost is uh, within their network. So our happiest customers and our best customers are those that are leveraging as much of ODW as we can possibly give to them. And I think that's fascinating because a lot of times, you know, when we talk to people, we're only at one small segment. It's very rare that you'll see companies do end to end. And so speaking of happiest customers, Right now, word on the street is the battle of inventories. Is there specific types of customers who are the most happiest 
Or is everyone just kind of uh, not having a good time while the stuff sitting around on shelves? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think that people have started to whittle down their inventory from, you know, everybody when when we couldn't get containers in the port and we opened up an entire almost second business segment, helping people rescue containers from the port and get that product onto their shelves. And then that led to people over ordering to make sure they had products available until the port loosened up. So we've seen the port loosen up. We've seen inventory levels come down. Unfortunately, I think demand has also come down. Uh, so to your point, uh, I think we're seeing a lot of different things happening here. Um, we're also seeing people be less time sensitive. I think the pandemic taught us that maybe we don't need this today or tomorrow. We can wait till, you know, for two days or three days. Uh, I read an article the other day where you're seeing Amazon go back to more regional and sh- shutter some of the local, local operations to where they're in a more regional hub type type scenario. So, um, I think a lot of changes have happened, but I think you've seen the inventory levels come down now. Um, and I, I think you alluded to it earlier, we have a glut of capacity in the transportation market right now as well. So it's kind of, you know, intriguing to see where that leads us. And looking at warehousing as well, utilization is still really high. Uh, looking at like logistics managers index and stuff, we know it's out there, but as a company that has your fleet on both sides, uh, both providing the transportation as well as the warehousing, what does that look like in, in a market like this? Is this something where you still have customers who are like, I need to like hold on to stuff or, or a customer saying, how can you like ship my stuff out quicker, more cost savings or efficient? Like what is the situation for folks who are like truckers who normally just complain, why are they stuck in the dock all there. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, well, from a warehousing standpoint, we've seen customers do a little bit of both. We've seen customers make space, uh, get rid of old inventory and try to whittle down their space a little bit. We've also had some that are um, transitioning. You know, we do a lot of network analysis for customers. So we've got a customer that's expanding out of the Midwest and going out to the to the West Coast because they're manufacturing in two different locations. So now they're going to warehouse in two different locations, right? So they're building up inventory for that transfer out. Um, in general, I would say most people are just trying to keep their inventories low and maximize the utilization of their space. And to your point, space utilization is space utilization is up uh, from a standpoint. Warehouses are full, um, and and I think I think you're starting to see some demand drop. We've got some customers that sell um, sell a value product, right? So their demand is probably up a little bit right now, and and higher sales for them. So it just depends on what kind of product you're looking at uh, and where you're at. But but nothing changes from the from the point of trying to drive down your logistics costs. It's one of the most expensive things people have to pay for is logistics cost uh, in the cost of their product. And so everybody's always trying to drive it down and understand total cost. That's what always blew my mind about, um, you know, when you have inventory, you're also writing it down each quarter. So it's uh, people are like, well, how can I get this on sale at like a Marshall's for like two bucks? I was like, well, they wrote it down probably in the past five quarters. So to them, it's they got a dollar out of it. Congratulations. Um, yeah. Having the conversations with customers like that, uh, looking at that demand planning, what, uh, you know, past two years, it's been really wild. Uh, you know, when you're having conversations and being in the business, as long as you all have, uh, does this something where we have to look back further or are we going to have to look forward a little bit with kind of a newer filter of maybe what consumer trends are going to be? Because that's what the hardest thing for trucking is right now. It's, how do you predict? Because the past, you know, pandemic related stuff has totally skewered what we're used to. Yeah, 100% on target right there, Thomas. Like we've had to, you can't just look back over the past two years. It's almost like, well, so are we going to take data from two and a half years ago and look at that six month time period? So it's really been a tricky thing trying to sort out what demand planning is going to look like. And look, we, we try to help customers understand that, but you know, luckily we're not fully responsible for the demand planning from that standpoint because it's a tough job, right? That's it, and, and we go through data and help customers 
you know, try to, they have to help us from the demand standpoint, from their customers. They have to be the experts at guessing what their customers are going to, are going to buy. Um, and we help them with the supply chain aspect of that, but uh, it, it's not an easy task. And to your point, we've had to go back to two and a half years in data to try to find a data set to help customers understand what the logistics is going to look like moving forward. It's almost like you have to come to us knowing how much you need, and then we'll move that for you. But you have to count that up front. Uh, by segment or any off the top of your head that you can talk about are like retailers or, uh, you know, maybe material handlers. Is there a specific segment of the economy that's having a much harder time when you're talking with people? Or are there any winners and losers right now in terms of even trying to grasp it? Yeah, I think so. We have a couple of different business segments. We do we do a lot of retail um, and a lot into uh, into into big box retail locations, right? So we have a, a retail freight consolidation that we do a ton of of truckloads into those retailers. I would say that they're managing their demand how they have, right? It's come back down to normal levels for them from from pandemic. Some were up, some were down, um, and so I think that's they still have the same uh, demand outlook that, that they've had for the most part, I think there's some declining demand out there. We've seen a lot of customers fall off from a demand standpoint, uh, over the past couple of months. Um, we, we have some other customers that don't go into retail, but are more direct. Um, you know, a customer, a large customer that we have that that's an industrial products type manufacturing and they're, they're, uh, I would say steady to pre pandemic levels. Um, so I don't know that there's one being affected more than the other, um, and I think the the big story when it comes to transportation is just the overall like we keep continue to see rates dropping, uh, capacity is at an all time high, and um, you know it's just that one of the things you alluded to is just the the question mark around what's logistics going to continue to look like and transportation costs moving forward. Well, I like that you all have a dual setup. He who controls or she, they who control the flow of goods, whether it be a third party with a warehousing operation or a shipper themselves, usually gets to control kind of uh, the, the freight flows. And so working with yeah. that, do you all traditionally have your own internal fleet or are you working like as a third party to help move the freight for customers and then give them greater costs? Because right now I'd probably feel like I'm going to save a lot of cost if I got to hold stuff. Yeah. So we have a we have a, a small Columbus-based fleet in our Columbus, Ohio uh, region, and that's because we have uh, a significant presence there in Columbus with a lot of different DCs in that area, and so we move freight around locally there. But then we we act as a three PL um, out, outside of that, and even a four PL for some customers uh, to manage that freight. And I think what's really important to understand about what we do with our customers that leverage both our warehousing and transportation management component is we help level set the work in the warehouse, right? So when we talk about total logistics costs, um, we're planning freight, not just, hey, here's a truckload, let's ship it, but how do we best optimize the freight going into those destinations? And so our work, we really work very well with our uh, warehouse, uh, our customers use warehousing and transportation because we work on their warehouse team to try to level flow their work as well. So if all the orders come in and everything needs to ship on Monday, but they have half the volume on Tuesday, you know, it's hard for them to manage the employees and manage all that stuff. And even down to a granular level of working with customers on the way that orders are being placed. So we might have, you know, just say some retailer out there orders, you know, 54,000 pounds of, of product. Well, sometimes that retailer will say, well, I can't fit in a truck. So we're just going to split it in half and, and we're going to ship 27,000 pounds at each truck. And we're like, wait a minute, if you could talk to your customer, maximize one truck and then leave the, the left behind and we can save you money on transportation. Right. So we're not just looking at transportation. We're not just looking at warehousing. We're looking at the whole thing. And we're talking to customers about how are, how are their customers placing orders? How are those flowing through the system? How are we managing that from our manpower and our warehousing? And then we 
execute the transportation on the back end to get that delivery to those customers. So there's a there's a there's a lot of work that gets done in the middle there. That's what I was curious about because so that's one of the big questions I guess customers struggle with is should I parcel it like an LTL or ship it full truckload because if I'm full truck load, I really like a 27,000 pound load because I know you can fit like, you know, up to 45, sometimes some people say more, but uh, you know, 45,000 pounds in a 53 foot dry van. Um, you know, looking into that, let's say we put all in one truck load and parcel the little bit out. It, what's the situation with some of the parcel carriers? I know right now we have labor stuff coming up, but there's a lot of confusion. Yeah. UPS and FedEx are all haggling, but uh, is is that something that is very attractive or would I rather have it on two truckloads because rates are so low? Yeah, I think, um, well, and what we do is we, we that that little bit that's left over and it just comes down to dollars and numbers right in the rates. So rates might be low, but an LTL for 250 bucks or 300 bucks for the leftover couple of pallets or or whatever, depending on what those rates are, right? It's all, it's all math. And we use our systems to do that optimization and understand that. But um that leftover in a lot of cases, maybe it's a, another half a truck that's left over. We have other customers specifically out of our consolidation coming out of Columbus. Other customers were putting on that same truck and sending that into those same retailers. So, you know, whether it be Walmart, Consolidation, Target, um, Kroger, a lot of these big retailers we're going into for other customers as well. And that's the nice part about the Columbus campus. We have multiple customers in the different buildings we have in Columbus, Ohio. And then we bring those all together, put those on the same trucks and send them in. So, um, it's it's great for customers. It also gives smaller customers the feel of being able to ship like a larger customer. That's what I was curious about because when you have your own warehousing operations, when I worked in doing truckload network design, we would use trailer pools, preloaded or yep. loaded live. Is that something you all have to think about as well when you're looking at transportation costs? Is, is there advantages to having carriers or your own equipment to preload it if their time is not a factor, or are you primarily concerned with when you're looking at your day-to-day -day managing the live load appointments because of maybe there's just not enough product to preload and yeah. sit for? Yeah, cer certainly levers the pull, right? We do it both ways. Uh, sometimes it's easier just to have the live loads come in. Uh, we might have carriers coming in from an inbound that they're bringing an inbound from Quebec or somewhere. We might be sending loads out. So we live load, we do a mix of live load and and drop trailers. And, and again, whether it's our own equipment or working with partner carriers of ours that have drop trailers, we have a ton of partner carriers we use um, in and around Columbus as well. And again, our fleet's regional, right? So we're just going to be in the Columbus area for our fleet, very tight regional, do a lot of dredge and stuff like that for, for customers in Columbus. Um, but when you think about uh, think about that, that's I look at that as just another lever we can pull in an operation to help us get more efficient or drive cost savings. Sometimes we have customers that we're doing pickups at their their manufacturers and they require a drop trailer uh, because they load it. They don't have dock space, so they might load it directly onto that trailer. And then once it's full, they call us and we get it out of there within our partner gets it out of there within you know 24 hours or whatever their requirements are. That's a while. I remember dock space is so much fun because I, I didn't pay as much attention until I became a freight broker. And then when we were sourcing customers, we would count the docks to figure out how much volume they probably needed. Because sometimes they'll keep extra trailers and give them back or they'll use them as storage. Is that ever a challenge? High inventories right now to me would probably be the same thing. Do you ever have challenges with certain customers in terms of, well, I don't have enough space and I can't really unload it yet because I'm all full. Uh, am I just going to keep your trailer here? Is that an ongoing, uh, do you see more of that in this environment or are customers still saying, well, I just need to keep that velocity so I don't pay charges? On yeah, not so much any, not so much anymore. That that backlog is kind of cleared out. We have we had the issue for a while to where even on the LTL side, we had carriers that said, I can't go into this location because they won't give me back my trailers. They've got 60 trailers loaded 
and they won't give them back to me, right? Um, I in my local Target by where I live in in Anderson Township, Ohio, there were containers, shipping containers in the parking lot with inventory because they had excess inventory, but they had to keep shipping it to the stores and get rid of it um, and store it somewhere. So they would literally put shipping containers in the parking lot with some of that excess inventory. So again, a lot of that is cleared out and we're not dealing with that anymore. Um, and we're not dealing with as much as people holding onto trailers or inventory in trailers. So, but trailers, to your point, trailers very well uh, are or can and are are used as a, as a holding spot for inventory at times, whether it be just holding holding drop trailers so you can get to them to unload um, or you're, you're loading trailers, preloading trailers so carriers can get them outbound. That's nuts that the shipping container, usually you want the shipping containers unloaded because they're either stuck on a chassis or, hey, you're going to bring your crane in and just pick it up off the ground if you're kind of stuck. That yeah. That's what well, blows that my mind. Do you all deal with uh, mixed modal like that, trying to convert them from like a 40 foot to a 53 foot or a box truck? Is that something that you all have to deal with operationally as well as you have customers? Yep. Yeah, we've, we've, so during the pandemic, when it first started, like I said, we almost opened up an entire second operation with our, our team. We took a small team of people and and we specialized in doing that because, and we work with different partners at different ports, but so many containers and so much product was getting stuck at the ports. The freight forwarders are getting overwhelmed. So we worked with some partners to to grab those, uh, those containers, bring them back and unload them at a facility, do any sort and seg we needed to do, put them on pallets if it was on slip sheets, and then we would transport those into our certain distribution center locations, or some of them were customers where we didn't even manage the freight, but they just, what we called it a container rescue, right? And that was a big business for us and not necessarily because we wanted to do it, but because com- customers needed it. They needed to get that product so they can get it off to, to the retail locations or to their customers. So we 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 still do some of that. We still have a lot of partnerships at all the different ports across uh, the United States to where we could do that for customers. But the again, Things have started to open up on the freight forwarding side, so it's not a requirement anymore. And looking at bigger trends, uh, I know you all have a few locations uh, nationwide. Uh, I'm hearing from folks that nearshoring, we're going to see a lot more cross-border movement, at least from uh, Laredo and south-north movement. Is that something, being in the warehousing space and looking at if I want to expand or open up to other markets, are there any trends you're hearing from customers about maybe they're less reliant on overseas and more reliant on finished goods coming up from parts of Mexico or Canada? Yeah, we've heard a little bit of that. So some of our customers have sourced uh, at a couple different locations and, and it's all up to them and manufacturing, right? A lot of it is a manufacturing play where they want to manufacture those different locations because of the cost of it. Um, so we've seen some of that. Um, we have some customers where they're shipping in from overseas and I don't think it's really an option to to, to bring that back home here in, in the US. Um, where they can, they certainly do. I think as a broader scale, when I think about other organizations, uh, that I've heard of or worked for in the past or worked with in the past, I should say. Um, I've heard a lot of people say, hey, we need to really, the logistics cost is crushing us. You know, you've got, you're trying to forecast something uh, and then you're trying to, you, it, it's got to sit on the ocean for six to eight weeks or whatever it is. And then it's getting stuck at the port. And I think people finally realize the logistics cost of transporting across the the big lakes there, or the oceans on either side of us are are um, are real. And so uh, there there is a, there is value in inventory. There's value in, in limiting that inventory. There's also value in speed to speed to market. So I think there's definitely been a shift. Um, and I don't know if we're going to expect more or not, because I think people are literally to, to outsource for a, a small, again, your manufacturing cost, but do you really want to outsource when your logistics costs can inflate so, so aggressively. And working at like on the 3PL fat side right now, um, you know, when rates are going down and customers are asking for cuts, are you all a little more insulated because you have your own home brew of freight you need to move? 
choice you have the freight, you know what your costs are versus maybe a pure play 3PL that's just riding the waves of the market. Is there ever a challenge in figuring out how much should I drive down the cost because I know transportation capacity is plenty? Uh, what are some of the things that you're looking at? Is it right now more customers forcing to say, I need cuts at all costs or are some customers taking a more long view approach saying, well, we maybe we need to level off and up so I have capacity year round instead of just picking random schmucks who want to be doing it cheaper. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a funny question. Um, so the way we look at it is, it is business is still a lot about partnerships, especially in transportation, right? So we have a lot of carriers we work with that we certainly want to drive a fair cost to our customers. So we are always trying to drive total logistics costs down for our customers. Sometimes that might mean paying more in freight uh, in order to accommodate a warehouse requirement that's going to help them lower costs in warehousing or vice versa. Sometimes we're going to pay a little bit more in warehousing to accommodate a transportation savings. But what I'll say is that we're always trying to drive total costs down. And so we do that through a couple methods. One, we're always going to play the market fair. Um, that might mean that we're using dedicated carriers that might be a little bit higher than spot market from a rate standpoint, but they're going to give us consistent um they're going to give us consistent uh, capacity. Uh, we're going to get great service out of those providers, right? So we're always managing that relationship as well as the relationship with the customer. So we don't go through a quarterly customer review without coming to the table with different ways to help save them money or increase speed or help them achieve what their goals are, right? So our, our organization is not driven around how much money can we make. Our organization is driven around how do we innovate and drive costs and serve and increase service for our customers and their supply chains. So that's what all of our conversations are. We want to leverage relationships. Um, sometimes customers will say, I need lower rates, I need lower rates. We're like, okay, we understand, we can do that, but we're, we're risking some of this service. So when you're looking at retail and we're going into to, um, Walmart and you got to be 98% on time to Walmart, do you really care how low your, uh, your rates are? Do you want to beat it down to the lowest rates when you really got to hit that 98% OTIF? Or is it maybe worth it, depending on the value of a product, to not pay a fine at Walmart? So we're always balancing. And again, that comes back to looking at total logistics cost. You got to look at everything that's going to happen here in the supply chain, whether you're really just sub-optimizing your supply chain. I remember the days of Walmart. General merchandise loads, they cut the fee. And we did preloaded trailers. And I sent about five of them in a day early. And then they charged us on the back end. And someone yelled at me later. So... Fun times with Walmart. I know them very well. The worst, the worst is when you set an appointment and you send a driver in and the driver realizes that he can get there a day early or he gets there at 11 p.m. the night before. And of course, they're going to unload him. Yeah, we got plenty of room for you. Come on in and we'll unload you. And then it's marked as early and, and the, the uh, customer pays a fine for that load being early. That's a fun one. That's the biggest visibility challenge. I feel like you know, because the difference between the warehousing and the staff who are more than happy to just continue doing their things. And then you have the supply chain and demand planners that say, well, I need to put some, you know, constraints on this. I need to control this. Uh, looking at visibility, final question here as we got a little bit of time left. Um, I got a little spicy idea. This is what I was curious about. Some brokers talk about transparency and rates or a price per service or margin. Is there any customers who are clamoring for that or are customers still pro trusting more on the relationships and whether they believe you can buy this capacity and are being fair with it? That was a question I always ask. I used to be a broker. I was always against it because I'm like, don't let them see. But, you know, I wonder if that's a trend to watch out for or look for in the future. Well, it, um, I guess here's the way I would answer that. The way we look at cost is not what I'm going to charge on a per load basis, right? Because I don't want to just put your freight on a truck. 
if you look at if I used to have an old guy, uh, guy that I used to work with, um, Robert, and he used to say, if there were glass sides on these trailers, we would be ashamed of what's happening on our highways. Half of the trucks out there have so little freight on them or suboptimal, right? So again, we don't just look at what we're charging for an LTL shipment or a truckload shipment, because our goal is that, especially out of Columbus, is we're going to consolidate that with somebody else, and we're going to charge you a fair rate for moving that, right? So if you have 20 pallets, and that's three quarters of a truck, you're generally going to pay a full truckload rate. Well, if I could put somebody else's freight on the end and save them money and save you money, that's our goal. So we're always measuring, um, we're always measuring the total cost. So whether it be cost per pound, cost per case, and we're always trying to find ways to reduce it. We measure trailer utilization. Are we utilizing the trailers that we're putting on the road? Um, so to your question, you know, we believe that rates, anybody can go buy capacity. Money buys trucks. Um, so if you're willing to pay a rate, money's going to buy the trucks. Are you able to find the right trucks, the right service, the right price? That's a given. But it's about how do you better optimize the way customers' freight is moving across the roads? And that's really what our focus is. I like that. I, I think that's the biggest challenge is anyone can just sling freight and make a rip per load. But to really do it, you're trying to help them in the long run make it more efficient. So perfect stuff here. Phil, thanks so much for coming on. If folks want to learn about ODW, get in touch with you or anything else, where can they find y'all? Yeah, so uh, odwlogistics.com. Uh, I can be found on LinkedIn, Phil Schmidbauer. I'm not sure there's any more of me out there, so pretty easy to find. Perfect. Phil, thanks so much for coming on the show. Looking forward to seeing what y'all are up to. And, uh, you know, always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks again. Thanks for having me, Thomas. Take care. That's going to be a wrap for today's show, but you can catch us every Tuesday live at 1 p.m. Eastern. The newsletter, Loaded and Rolling, can also be found on Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it comes out once a week as well for itwiz.com slash loaded and rolling. If you missed this live, we're also on Apple and Spotify. So check us out there or dv.freightwaves.com. That's a wrap for this week. Until next week, keep it classy and hopefully keep all your trucks loaded. <laughs> <laughs>